Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Coming up on today's episode, our Winnipeg Jets offseason preview continues with a look at the blue line. How can Winnipeg's much maligned decor improve to get back into cup contention? Who are the free agent and trade targets? And what to expect on Neil Pionk's next contract? But first, a word from our friends over at DraftKings. McGregor vs. Poirier 3 is all set for UFC 264. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes. For this weekend's fight, DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions in total prizes. Fantasy MMA is super easy to play if you haven't given it a shot. You stay under the salary cap, pick six fighters, and pile up the points for a whole bunch of different advances, takedowns, and more. No better way to get ready for UFC 264 than getting a DraftKings account and, hey, getting a couple bucks in your pocket as well. It's the McGregor vs. Poirier rubber match. Get in on the action now. Download the DraftKings app and use promo code THPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello, everybody. Recording live from somewhere. What's good and welcome to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brandon Verwicki. You can follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Verwicki or the podcast at Skates Plates Pod. The offseason preview for the Jets rolls on after we dove into the forwards last week. I mean, definitely some intrigue up front, but I think for the most part, we all kind of have a sense of generally what the forward lineup is going to look like next season. That is definitely not the case this time around. So let's get right to it here. From up front to the back end, It's time to take a look at the biggest question mark with this team for the past three seasons now, and that's the defense core. How can the Jets find a way to get back to they were a couple of seasons ago, which was, I mean, one of the top 10 defense cores in the NHL. That would be great. I think a lot of fans at this point would just take a league average blue line to go with what they have in net and up front as well. So like I said at the top, we'll look at potential ways... For the team to improve through either free agency or a trade a little bit later. I actually have a a really, really good trade fit for the Jets that I think can work out nicely 
So stay tuned for that mystery man and, and how they could help the Jets. But first, let's just take some stock of what's in the organization before we look elsewhere. And really, when it comes to the Jets' blue line troubles of late, the biggest name, we all know who it is, it comes up time and time again, and that is number 44, Josh Morrissey. Unfortunately, there's really no way to sugarcoat it. Since signing his big money contract and Jacob Truba leaving town, Josh Morrissey just has not been the impact defenseman a lot of people expected him to be. I mean, the organization paid Josh as a number one, somebody who can carry a pairing on his own no matter who his partner is. And, I mean, the harsh reality is it's probably safe to say at this point he's not going to become that kind of upper echelon player. I, I think Josh Morrissey still has a ton of good hockey left in him, and I think he's a valuable asset and can be one moving forward, but... I just think if we're taking a realistic look at the situation, best case scenario is he's a number two, three defenseman as opposed to, you know, a no doubt about it number one or even a low end number one at that. And we've seen that, right? When Morrissey has played in the past with, I mean, even just this past season with a Tucker Pullman or a Nathan Beaulieu, he can't do what the, you know, the Headmans and the Yossis of the world do. And that's elevate his partner to another level. But when he's paired with a DeMello or a Pionk or even, you know, a True Bun Buff going back a few years, he is a hell of a support piece. And, and I think that's where the Jets can get the most value out of Josh Morrissey. And I think ultimately that's how he should be viewed by the team. On top of that, I mean, if Neil Pionk is going to be on the team moving forward, you know, as, as good as Josh is... You know, Neil Pionk, to me, is this team's number one defenseman on the power play. And Josh Morrissey would be better suited in that number two role. I think the Jets' power play this season, when it did hit a bump in the road and struggled a little bit, it was because, you know, this team's best power play defenseman was on the number two unit. And, and there were times that number two unit was, you know, this team's best power play outfit. But I do think Josh Morrissey is a number two power play defenseman as opposed to a guy you can rely on to quarterback your power play. Now, will the Jets view Josh Morrissey in that, yeah, he's a, a good support piece, a 2-3 guy, or do they still believe that he could potentially find a way to become a stud number one defenseman? Do they still hold on to that hope? I, I don't know. I don't know which way the Jets lean. I think they will probably hold a more optimistic view of Josh Morrissey than the fan base does. But for me, the search for a true top-end defenseman is still there in a big, big way for Winnipeg. And that big hole is ultimately what's holding back the Winnipeg Jets from becoming one of the elite teams in the NHL. I still have some high hopes for Josh Morrissey, and I think with the right partner, he can be a real good contributor for this team. I just don't think it's going to be in that number one defenseman role. Now, there are a couple available, a couple of number one defensemen by the sounds of things this offseason. We'll see if the Jets are able to nab one of those guys, but that might be the most promising thing heading forward here. There's a lot of hope. We'll see if that hope gets answered. But it is pretty rare to have some of the D-men that are being thrown around to the rumor mill up for grabs. So, you know, it's, it's not going to be for a lack of opportunity that the Jets don't find a potential high-end defenseman that's paired with Josh Morrissey or paired with somebody else. Now, I don't think, and there was a lot of 
there has been a lot of surprise with this Jets blue line in the past couple of seasons, despite the underwhelming play as a whole. But I don't think there was a soul on the planet who would have thought that Neil Pionk would be this team's best defenseman when he was acquired two seasons ago in the Jacob Truba trade. But there's really no other way to put it. He's the team's best defenseman right now. And it's been one of the best trades and acquisitions of Kevin Sheveldayoff's career. I don't think there's a person in the NHL that would, you know, even with the contract, take Jacob Truba over Neil Pionk right now, let alone, you know, having Billy Hainala thrown in as well. Unfortunately, that means it's going to cost the Jets a lot of money this offseason because the 26-year-old is an RFA and he's due for a big-time raise. Now, what is that raise going to look like? Well, we're talking about a guy since he signed in Winnipeg, since he's been traded to Winnipeg, that will get you about 50 points per season and can quarterback your number one power play. And I think the first season he was acquired by the Jets, he was one of the better power play defensemen in the entire NHL. So, look, those cost a pretty penny. I I don't think we see Tory Krug money for Neil Pionk. Krug signed that huge deal with the St. Louis Blues in and around $7 million. I think Krug had a, you know, a much longer track record and was one of the best point producers in the NHL on the back end. So I don't think we see things get that crazy. My best guess is about $5 million per season on a two to three year deal. And then somewhere above six if the Jets want to go long term. Which way do you want to go? Eh, Kind of a tough call. You know, I might actually lean towards a shorter-term deal, even though that would walk Neil Pionk right into free agency. I just think I'd rather have some long-term flexibility. And it's not to say that you wouldn't get full value on, you know, a long-term big-money deal with Neil Pionk. I just feel like with the way this team is set up right now that you can kind of make a decision in two to three years whether this team is built for, you know, a longer run of contention or if there needs to be a rebuild or a reload. And I would rather go that route and potentially, you know, lose out on on getting some value on the latter portion of a Neil Pion contract. So, you know, I I would be cool with the three-year, $5 million deal. I don't know how realistic that is. I don't know if that's what, you know, Pionk and the Jets are looking for. Either way, whatever happens, however long Neil Pionk has signed here at Winnipeg, the Jets are getting a hell of a player. And he's totally going to be worth however much money he's paid. It's just crazy to think, you know, looking back at that trade that a lot of people maligned at the time that, you know, the Jets are getting the better player in the Pionk-Truba swap. And, you know, nobody's going to have any problem paying Neil Pionk $5 million or more moving forward. Dylan DeMello's year was extremely odd for me. Sorry for the jarring transition there, but... You know, I just don't know how else we can get into it. And it wasn't anything that Dylan DeMello did. But it was more so how, you know, Paul Maurice and the coaching staff, and maybe even management as well, but how Paul Maurice went from raving about how the former senator was coaches porn when the team acquired him at the deadline. It was a great quote. How he goes from that to being... A third pair guy the entire regular season before being thrust back into his previous role beside Josh Morrissey. And I think the Jets fell victim to a pretty common trap around the NHL. 
But that was that Morrissey DeMello was too small to work as a top pairing in the NHL because of their size. Instead of looking at the results the two had when they were out there on the ice. In fact, that was a pretty constant theme for Dylan DeMello this season. That no matter who was put beside him, that player tended to play their best hockey of the season. I'm just a really big Dylan DeMello fan. I, I think he's Winnipeg's Paul Stasny on the back end. Somebody who's not super flashy, but just makes a ton of smart plays that add up over the course of a game, over the course of a season, that you know ultimately push your team in a positive direction. I just wonder how Jets Brass feels about him now. I, I really don't know if they're, if they're high or, or selling low on the Dylan DeMello stock. Because... You know, Paul Maurice and the coaching staff felt like the best move going up against McDavid and the Oilers was putting Morrissey DeMello back together. And that duo was super, super key in shutting down Edmonton. And then we all know what happened when he went down early in the Montreal series and the team basically fell apart after that. There was a bit of, you know, maybe tepid, lukewarm talk about, you know, finding Morrissey's partner and not, you know, an overwhelming outpouring of support for Dylan DeMello. But obviously a big decision is looming with the upcoming expansion draft and who to protect. Dylan DeMello, that is going to be a very, very interesting discussion between he and our next player to look at on the list. Now as surprising as Pionk has been, I don't know if anyone or anything will beat the rise that we saw Logan Stanley take this past season. Not, not even that he's a no doubt about a top four guy moving forward. But I just don't know, since Jets 2.0 has come back to Winnipeg, if we've seen a player improve as much as Logan Stanley did this past year. I I just don't know if you've seen it. There's no award with the NHL. I know the NBA does that. But if there was, Logan Stanley would no doubt about it be at the top of the list. Because I and a lot of other people thought that he was a bust. He was a first-round bust that was never going to make it in the NHL. And... All the credit in the world goes to the big man because he put the work in in the offseason. He apparently had just a whale of a summer slash winter, a whale of an offseason. And he took his game to a completely different level. And at the very least, he's proven he is 100% an NHL regular moving forward. It's a tremendous story. Now, the big question with Logan Stanley moving forward is just how high that ceiling is, right? Like, is this... A potential top four defenseman ready to blossom moving forward? Or is he just simply a really good third pair D-man who can do well in that role but would struggle moving further up the lineup? It's a it's a fascinating question and one the Jets are going to have to answer. Because if we see him take another leap, then he is going to be an absolute weapon for the team in the years to come. I mean, at six foot seven to move as well as he does with an absolute cannon of a shot... And a cheap contract as it is right now to begin with, he would be just a huge, huge asset. It's just we don't know what kind of a player Logan Stanley can be into next season and the year after that. I I, I really don't know what his ceiling is going to be. But I'll tell you what, I'm not going to put a limit on Logan Stanley. I'm, I'm big time rooting for the guy. I I think he's a great story. It would be awesome to see, you know, the Jets draft a guy they said would take a long time to get to the show. He develops with the organization. He finds some success and some footing. 
and then he takes a leap when nobody expects it. I'm, I'm cheering for him to do that. It definitely sets up for a great debate, though, and one we'll get into when it comes time for the expansion draft episode because Dylan DeMello versus Logan Stanley as to who gets that final protection slot is just a really, really interesting talk. And I think it's split, honestly, in the city, too, to go with, you know, the sure thing in Dylan DeMello, a solid, steady guy, and a pretty good cap hit as well for what he brings versus the potential and the allure of Logan Stanley being a six foot seven dependable piece in your top four. There's just very few players like that in the NHL, and I can certainly understand people being intoxicated by the potential of what Logan Stanley could very well bring as early as next season. Now, before we get into you know some of the other alluring prospects that the Winnipeg Jets have on the back end, so some players that Jets fans wanted to see this past season. And we'll certainly want to see you get a bigger role next season. There are a couple UFAs for the Jets on the back end. I don't know if we see either of them come back this season. I'll definitely put a no beside Derek Forbert's name. You know, it, it looked like it was going to be a really, really savvy bargain basement signing by Kevin Sheveldayoff early in the season. You know, Derek Forbert was really, really solid beside Neil Pionk for the first 20 games or so. Unfortunately, it, it just tailed off as the season went along and it, you know, Derek Forbert looked like a bit of a liability for the team. And I don't really anticipate the Jets bringing him back, you know, because if you look on the left side, Morrissey's not going anywhere. If Logan Stanley comes back as well, that leaves an open spot besides Neil Pionk. And I think the Jets want to make, you know, maybe not a major impact ad, but definitely have an improvement over what Derek Forbert gave them last season, so I don't anticipate him returning to the Jets. The other name, and I, I didn't really realize this going into the season, but Tucker Pullman, at 28 years old already, is slated to hit the open market. I think Tucker Pullman is a solid third-pair defenseman that was put into a brutal role this past season, with the coach just flat-out asking him to do something he wasn't capable of doing. And, and that's play on the top pair with Josh Morrissey and, you know, try to beat the opposition's best night in, night out. And, and we saw what the results were, and I, I don't even blame Tucker Pullman for that. So Tucker Pullman coming back to play on the third pair wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I, I think that would be a solid third pair for the Jets. My problem, and ultimately why I think he doesn't come back with the team, is that that would block... One of the two prospects that we'll talk about in just a second from playing regular minutes in the NHL with the Jets next season. I think he'd be a great seventh defenseman for the Jets, but I imagine that Tucker Pullman gets a shot at, you know, being a regular in a top six somewhere else across the NHL. Before we get to those two youngsters, there is a, another young blue liner that we should mention who looks like he's going to be on his way out. And that's Sammy Niku. Just been... Quite the fall, as, as far as a stock goes, from Sammy Niku winning AHL Defenseman of the Year at the age of, what was it, 21-22, to basically being a no-show at the NHL level. Frank Saravalli, now of the Daily Faceoff, is reporting that it's looking like a change of scenery is basically in the cards for Sammy Niku, that both the player and the organization understand that, you know, the partnership isn't going to work moving forward. That obviously comes as no surprise to Jets fans. Just too bad because it looked like this was a kid that 
you know, could potentially, as a seventh-round pick, make a major, major impact at the NHL level. And unfortunately, he's just been nowhere near that so far, right? Like, he just hasn't been, you know, by the numbers, anything other than a bit of a disaster when he stepped out on the ice for the Winnipeg Jets. So maybe a change of scenery helps to kickstart Sam Uniku's career. That would be great. But as as far as what a potential return could look like, man, I, I don't know if there really is a whole lot of value out there. I mean, the most realistic scenario, I think, is just a late-round pick being traded for Sammy Niku. I mean, maybe you try to grab a reclamation project from another team. You know, I, I look at Ole Uwelevi out there in Vancouver. I think that's probably unrealistic, though, just because, you know, Jim Benning made... You will levy the sixth overall pick a few seasons ago. He's probably going to want to give him a shot at the NHL level. I mean, maybe Julius Honka out there in Dallas. But again, I don't know how realistic that is. I think it's probably safe to say that we expect a late round pick to come back for Sammy Niku. Now on to the future. And we all know that despite some of the issues with the present Winnipeg Jets blue line, that things do look a lot brighter on the horizon. And that's because of the play of Vili Hainala and Dylan Sandberg. I don't expect Dylan Sandberg to be an NHL player next season. And I'm actually okay with him getting regular AHL time, right? Like, make him the number one defenseman on the Manitoba Moose next season. Have him play 20 minutes plus all situations. To me, that's way, way more important for the development of Dylan Sandberg than, you know, potentially playing 8 to 10 minutes a night at the NHL level. Plus, if it is with a guy like Logan Stanley, you know, I, I don't know if Logan Stanley, as great as he was last year could carry a rookie defenseman by himself. So I actually think it would be best for Sandberg to start the year in the AHL. And then if he's too good at that point to not play, then you call him up and you don't worry about it. But I would rather avoid over-relying on, on Dylan Sandberg for next year. Which leaves us with Billy Hainala. And and Billy Hainala, I know a bunch of people were pissed about how he was handled this past season. And I don't even necessarily disagree, right? Like, I mean... Being on the taxi squad and not playing for so long was clearly not ideal for his development and and might have cost him a shot at at being a regular with the Jets this past season. That same mistake cannot be made this time around, right? Like, there's just no other way to put it. He's got to be one of the six defensemen for the Winnipeg Jets next season. And I think that he's a guy that is talented and skilled enough to play on his offside. And I think a really good spot for Vili would be actually beside Logan Stanley on the team's third pair on the right side. I, I think that's the ideal role to put Vili Hainala in going into next season. You know, you're not relying on a 20, 21-year-old kid to play a significant role in your top four right off the bat. If he blows all expectations out of the water, then you have him ready to go. And, he, and he's right there. But I, I just don't know if I feel overly comfortable just handing the reins to Vili Hainala when he played so few minutes this past season. I do find a way to get him into the lineup, no doubt about it, game one opening night. I'm just not ready to hand that spot over in what's such a critical, important start to the season for the Winnipeg Jets. Plus, I'm kind of intrigued. I, I would like to see Logan Stanley and Vili Hainala pair together. It's, it's something that I don't think a lot of people had anticipated would be an option when this past season started, but... I don't know, you put two youngsters together, maybe they have the opportunity to create some chemistry between each other, 
And while they might be a third pair tandem this upcoming season, maybe that's something that could grow into a potential, say, second pair for the team in the near future. That's what the team has in stock right now. There, Look, there are a ton of concerns with how the blue line has played. And, you know, to be fair to the players, some of that falls on the coaching staff and, and changing the way that the defense core plays as a whole. I would love to see them be more aggressive, to pinch more, to step up more in the neutral zone for next season. So, and so while there's definitely some concerns, there still are some good pieces here, right? Neil Pionk and Dylan DeMello are no doubt about it. Top four guys. Josh Morrissey in the past has shown that he's been a good number two, three defenseman. It's just that there is this gaping hole that the team has not been able to fill since Dustin Bufflin left. And that's the true number one defenseman. That's going to be the key to this offseason being a major success for the Jets or not. And that is, can they find that guy either in free agency or through a potential trade? So let's get to that part of it now, because that's really the most intriguing thing that I know a lot of you came here to listen for, is, hey, we, we know what's wrong with the Jets' blue line, but how can we find a way to make it better going into next season? Let's start with the free agent targets, because there's a few potential ways the Jets can go at this, and then we'll look at some really, really intriguing names when it comes to the trade front. We all know who the big fish in the pond is for free agency. Dougie Hamilton is up for grabs, and there's about 25 teams or so that are going to be hot on his heels and, and making a pretty significant offer. I, I mean, there, there really is no downside, in my opinion, to signing Dougie Hamilton. He's the rare, the very, very rare defenseman that actually finds a way to make it to unrestricted free agency, and all it costs you is cap space, right? Like, these guys just don't come around very often, and... Let's face it, signing Dougie Hamilton would completely change the complexion of this team's direction moving into next season. In my opinion, just signing Dougie Hamilton makes the Jets a cup contender again, right? I, I just think everything falls into place at that point. Hamilton Morrissey as your top pair, you know, Neil Pionk and, you know, name your potential replacement for Derek Forbert on the left side, Stanley Hainala as your third pair. We know what the Jets have up front and on the blue and in the blue paint, right? Just something as simple as that, I think, is what takes the Jets to the next level. You're waiting for the but, and, and here it comes. But I just don't see it happening. I mean, for one, it sounds like Carolina might be moving the rights to Dougie Hamilton before the expansion draft. I mean, maybe they move the, the rights to Seattle just to begin with, and Seattle signs him to a big money deal. I, I just think, I mean, look, we all know there are more desirable destinations than Winnipeg to begin with, but I also think that there's going to be teams that will be able to offer Dougie Hamilton more money, and then there's also the fact that, hey, he could return to Carolina, where he's had so much success over the past couple of seasons. I, I just don't, I don't really expect it to happen. Having said that, though, Kevin Chevaldeoff should be doing everything in his power right now to get Dougie Hamilton and, and to try to convince him to sign in Winnipeg. I, I don't know if there is a dollar amount that I would shy away from either, to be honest. I, I have no problem paying Dougie Hamilton $9 million per season if, if that's what it took to convince him to sign in Winnipeg. And even a short-term deal, right? Like, if you wanted to get totally crazy and say, look, we can't offer you the opportunity to play in a Chicago or a Philadelphia or an LA, right? Like name these big locations. 
But what we can do is pay you $10 million a year for three years. And then you have a chance to hit free agency again where the cap isn't flat potentially. Like there's some intriguing salary options that the Jets could throw at Dougie Hamilton that maybe other teams couldn't. I just think, and maybe it's the Winnipeg in me, the defeatist in me, right? But I, I just feel like we see Dougie Hamilton either stay in Carolina or join a different team other than the Winnipeg Jets. But again, having said all that, Kevin Cheveldayoff should do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to try to bring Dougie Hamilton over to Winnipeg. Now, that's the big option, right? That's the, the game changer when it comes to free agency. There's nobody else in free agency that really comes close to Dougie Hamilton. Now, if we're looking specifically on the right side, before we look at potential left-handed options, eh, there really isn't a whole lot there, to be honest, for me at least, especially if we go, in this case, under the assumption that, you know, Dylan DeMello, for example, is picked in the expansion draft, and you're trying to find a new partner for Josh Morrissey. The other name, and, and one that the Jets have been linked to, in trade speculation in the past on the right side is David Savard. And we're seeing him, you know, now just three wins away from a Stanley Cup with a Tampa Bay Lightning. That to me would be a major, major mistake. I am staying far, far away from David Savard during this upcoming free agency period. I mean, one, I don't know how good of business it is to sign a 30, soon to be 31 year old especially a, a free agent that plays a grueling game and the type of defenseman that we just see age poorly. I don't know if it's good business to pay somebody like that big money on a long-term deal, never mind the potential, you know, Stanley Cup champion bonus that generally comes with free agents in the free agent market. The second thing, though, even just pushing that aside, I just don't think that's what Josh Morrissey needs as a defense partner, right? Like, I, I know... People want to see the Jets get bigger and tougher to play against on the back end and, and, you know, follow the mold that, you know, we see Montreal do, for example, where they're just big and nasty on the blue line. But that, to me, is the worst possible partner for Josh Morrissey because I think Morrissey is more of a stay-at-home type defenseman even though he's not as big as a David Savard. I just think that when Josh Morrissey is put with somebody who takes care of the puck-moving capabilities on that pair... That's when Josh Morrissey's at his best. Everyone points to Jacob Truba and how big and physical he was, and that was great. But to me, what made that duo really tick was that Jacob Truba was so, so good at making that first pass and moving the puck up the ice and joining the play that way. That is what the Winnipeg Jets should be looking for as a potential Josh Morrissey partner, not just let's get a big-ass dude that can play very well in his own zone beside him. I think they need to find a guy that, first and foremost, can move the puck very well as opposed to a stay-at-home defenseman. So I'm staying far away from David Savard. I do think that is a potential option for the Winnipeg Jets, though, just because we've heard that name linked to in the past. One other right-handed defenseman that I think holds a bit of intrigue, I don't think you'd feel very comfortable with him being a top-pair defenseman beside Josh Morrissey, but hey, maybe he slips through the cracks and the Winnipeg Jets could get him on the cheap. But I, I do like Brandon Montour a fair bit. He obviously languished in Buffalo this past year and a half. And the results just weren't quite there for him. But he looked pretty good once he got shipped over to Florida and played well for the Panthers down the stretch and in their brief postseason run. So 
if Florida doesn't want to bring him back, that's just a guy that I, I think has some potential value there on a on a short term prove it deal. I, I don't know if you would want him to be your you know a part of your number one pairing with Josh Morrissey, but just a name to look out for if he falls through the cracks and is still available sometime throughout August or leading into training camp. Now, looking at the left side in free agency, this is where the free agent market gets really interesting, in my opinion, for the Winnipeg Jets. Because I know there's a name that the Jets are targeting, and they have targeted in the past, and we'll get to him in just a second. But there's also a couple of interesting fallback options when it comes to a potential partner with Neil Pionk that there is some value I think we could see the Winnipeg Jets find. So when you're, you know, I know it's not Canada Day that we're watching free agency this year, but whatever day free agency lands on, this is what I'm going to be most glued towards because I do think the Jets make a bit of a splash and, and sign a decently big name when it comes to the free agent market. You know, if I had to make a bet right now as to who will be one of the new additions for the Winnipeg Jets going into next season... It would be on this guy. I feel pretty confident that this is the Jets' number one free agent target. And that would be Jamie Alexiak of the Dallas Stars. It's a name that Jets fans are familiar or or should be familiar with because, you know, Chevy and Jim Neal, Alexiak and the Jets were rumored to be potential trade partners at this past deadline. And speaking with Frank Saravalli about this, the only reason Jamie Alexiak wasn't a Winnipeg Jet at the trade deadline is because Jim Neal asked for a first-round pick in return. I, I know a lot of people were pissed that there wasn't a move made to help support the decor, but hey, as much as I like the guy, let's be honest, that would have been a crazy price for the Jets to pay when they can now sign Jamie Alexiak for free and not have to give anything up in the process. So... That's just a little bit of insight for you guys there that, you know, I I know the Jets were close to getting Alexiak. It's just that Chevy made the right move in my call, even though it hurt the Jets in the short term, to not give up a first-round pick just for the potential rental of Jamie Alexiak. But I do anticipate the Jets making a pretty aggressive move and trying to lock up the big guy because we know the Jets want to get bigger on the back end. And the good thing about this is, you know, sometimes we see teams just lean too much into that and they bring in some slug, right? Like some guy that is just big but doesn't really do a whole lot out there. The good thing is that Jamie Alexiak does not fit that mold. He's been really, really strong for the Dallas Stars and really made his big impact during the Stars Cup run two seasons ago playing beside Miro Heiskanen. Now, I I know there might be some concern that Heiskanen elevated Jamie Alexiak and and maybe you're not paying for for what he gave the Dallas Stars these past two years but he looked good as hell to me I I I don't mind Jamie Alexiak being brought into the fold and I think that's a a good pairing a good duo to have Pionk and Alexiak together next season I don't know if you want that to be your number one pair but if that's your number two pairing I think you're put into a pretty good spot there he can kill penalties He moves really, really well for a big man as well. And then the Jets get some decent size going with them, right? On the left side, you would have, you know, not on your top pair, but you still have Alexiak and Logan Stanley. And I think the Jets become a much more difficult team to play against. And it's a major, major upgrade over what Derek Forward gave this team playing beside Neil Pionk next season. There are, when it comes to free agency, some 
pretty good fallback options, though, if the Jamie Alexiak signing falls through. Mike Riley is, you know, still a bit of an under-the-radar unknown name, but he was really, really good with the Ottawa Senators this past season. If you don't remember, Riley was actually a big-time college star, and there was a lot of potential around him being an impact player, signed with the Minnesota Wild, and it just didn't work for him out there in Minnesota. And he kind of came into Ottawa without much fanfare, but he performed really, really well, traded to Boston at the deadline, and, and he was playing some big-time minutes for the Bruins, you know, in, in almost a run to the conference finals for them. So Mike Riley wouldn't be too bad of a fallback option. There might be some people out there that would say, you know what, he might be even a better option than Jamie Alexiak. Either way, if one of those two players were brought into the fold here for the Jets, that would be, at the very least, an upgrade over what was here this past season. Alex Edler is another name. Now, a bit longer in the two, 35, 36 years old. But, you know, if you brought him in on a one-year deal for whatever the cap it might be, but just a short-term deal like that, you know, it might not be the ideal scenario, but at the very least, he's played at a really high level before in the NHL and, and maybe playing beside a more dependable partner in Neil Pionk, you're able to extract the last little bit of value out of Alex Edler before he ultimately calls it a career. I'll throw one last name out there. I don't know if it's realistic at all or not. I, I just think it's fun to think about it potentially happening. But, and I don't know if you would play on the second pair either, but whatever. But, I mean, it would be cool to see Sedano Chara here in Winnipeg, right? I don't know if it's going to happen. I, I would probably bet against it, to be honest. But, you know, just as far as having a living legend like that join the team, one of the best leaders in NHL history, one of the best defensemen in NHL history, but also as a major, major mentor to a guy like Logan Stanley. Like, there's just a lot of storylines that I think would be cool. And I thought Chara showed he had a lot left in the tank with the Capitals. I thought he played really, like, he blew away what I expected out of him with the Caps. So that would just be kind of a fun, cool story. I don't really anticipate it happening. But hey, just another name to keep in the back of your mind in case some of those other targets fall through the wayside for the Winnipeg Jets. Now, the trade market is fascinating this season when it comes to potential blue liners up for grabs because there are some, I mean, about as juicy as it gets. You have potential franchise cornerstone young defensemen on the market. Some no doubt about it, top four guys as well. And then some, you know, big ticket cap hits that some teams clearly want to get rid of that is definitely in the buyer beware category. There's no shortage of big names that are available that the Winnipeg Jets can go shopping for. How realistic and who might those best options be? Well, let's take a look into that right now. I, I mentioned up at the top, there's one name that I think is a potential really, really good fit. Somebody that could play beside Josh Morrissey. We'll save him for a little bit later. We'll look at some of these other names right now. The number one trade target, no doubt about it, and he's going to get moved this offseason. But Seth Jones out of Columbus. You have Dougie Hamilton in free agency, and then Seth Jones out there on the trade market as big, big names that can really reshape an entire franchise's blue line for the next five, six, seven, eight years. There's been a ton of debate, and, and really just online, about just exactly how impactful Seth Jones is. Because these past two seasons have been underwhelming by his standards. But before that, 
and three seasons ago, we saw Seth Jones finish just outside the top three in voting for the best defenseman on the planet, right? So this is kind of the ultimate eye test versus analytics debate that we're seeing here. And we know that GMs are going to lean towards the eye test side of things, whereas people on the analytics fence will say you're overpaying and, and buying on name brand as opposed to what you're actually getting out there on the ice. I lean in this particular case in a major, major way to the eye test crowd. And I don't do that a whole lot, but I am honestly just shocked at at some of the talk I, I've been hearing at least from from people looking strictly at the numbers here. I mean, I just don't think Seth Jones completely forgot how to play hockey over the past couple of seasons. And I don't, I don't think he's done at the age of 24, 25, and that we're seeing a decline that you know, he's not going to be able to recover from moving forward. I'm more than happy to debate anybody on this. I, I think whatever team that acquires Seth Jones this upcoming season is going to get an absolute monster of a defenseman and the debate about just how good Seth Jones will be put to rest. But we can do that at another time. Unfortunately for the Jets and for any fans that want to see Seth Jones in the blue, white, and red here is that I don't think we see him come to Winnipeg. It sounds like from what I've heard, and you know, Elliot Friedman reported this as well, but the Philadelphia Flyers are the clear frontrunner in terms of acquiring Seth Jones. And I, I just don't know if the Jets are going to be able to match what the Philadelphia Flyers are going to offer. I know there's a handful of other teams as well that would include themselves in the Seth Jones sweepstakes. I just don't think the Jets are going to have the ammo to ultimately pull off that deal. But I, I guess don't totally push it off the table because, you know, as we've seen in the past, Chevy and Yarmo Kekalainen aren't afraid to pull off a blockbuster between the two teams. And having a good relationship like that is still really important when it comes to making moves of that magnitude. I just don't expect the Seth Jones trade to be something that the Winnipeg Jets really take into serious consideration. There are a bunch of intriguing names, though, to go along with that as well. You know, I, I just have <laughs> this in this next group here, Tampa defenseman. I don't have a particular name here, to be honest, but we all know that Tampa Bay is currently, I think, $800 million above the cap right now. They're going to have to move out multiple pieces just to be cap compliant going into next season. You know, I, I don't think just losing Tyler Johnson in the expansion draft is going to be enough. I think they're going to have to lose, you know, probably a couple pieces up front and then a blue liner on the back end as well. And there, look, Victor Hedman is not going to be one of those names. But honestly, either Mikhail Sergachev, Ryan McDonough, or Eric Chernak would be a major, major improvement to what Winnipeg has thrown out there over these past couple of seasons. I'm okay with either of them, to be honest. Sergachev would be the ideal one for me. And then probably Ryan McDonough and Eric Chernak is a hell of a consolation prize in the third spot. But I would love to see... Mikhail Sergachev and Josh Morrissey play together. Tampa is just a team to keep an eye on just because they're going to have so many cap problems going into next season. Maybe a bit of a pipe dream, but they're going to have to move somebody. And we've seen Tampa Bay in the past not be afraid to be super aggressive in trying to make deals that will help their team out. You have the names of guys that make a ton of money, but you probably want to stay clear from. This would include Rasmus Ristolainen and Oliver ekman Larson out there in Arizona. You know, the one thing I'll say about those two is that, especially anybody out of Buffalo these days, 
But just look at how many Sabres, ex-Sabres, got traded out of Buffalo and then made major impacts immediately with their next team. You know what I mean? And I think the same can apply to Ekman Larson out there in Arizona. Like, there's just something that drains a player when they're in a crappy spot year after year after year. It just sucks the life out of them. So I, I do wonder if the team that acquires either one of those players could see a similar impact, an immediate return on their investment if they made a move like that. I just don't know if I want to see the Winnipeg Jets make that bet. It's just too much of a gamble, especially Ekman Larson, who's got such a big cap hit for so many more years moving forward. I think those are just too, there's just too much risk on handle to make a move for either one of those two players and feel comfortable about that. Josh Manson is another name that holds a lot of intrigue. I don't, I don't know if the fit is there with Josh Morrissey for me. Vince Dunn is another name that I know the analytics crowd is super, super high on. Young defenseman maybe doesn't take all that much to acquire because St. Louis could lose Vince Dunn in the expansion draft. I, I wouldn't mind seeing him on the Winnipeg Jets next season. You also have the Nashville duo, Matthias Ekholm and Ryan Ellis. These are two guys I would love, love, love to see join the Winnipeg Jets. How likely that is, I don't know anymore. Because, you know, the Preds went from basically clearing house and shipping out one or both of those guys to hanging on to them, making a run against the Carolina Hurricanes and becoming a dangerous team down the stretch. So I, I would love to see Ekholm or Ellis. I think Ryan Ellis would be a huge, huge fit here in Winnipeg. I just don't know how... Willie Nashville is to move either one of those two guys, but certainly a pair of players to keep an eye on. The one guy, though, that has been in the trade market for a couple of seasons now that I actually think would be a great, great fit on the Winnipeg Jets and somebody that I think would make the ideal partner for Josh Morrissey moving forward is actually Matt Dumba. It, it kind of surprises me to say that, and it might surprise... You guys to hear that, but I think that Matt Dumba could be a sneaky good acquisition by Kevin Chevaldeoff and a really, really good partner for Josh Morrissey on this team's number one pair next season. Because despite the differences in height, I think Matt Dumba plays a really, really similar game to what Jacob Truba did when he was here in Winnipeg. Now, he's not as big as Jacob Truba, but Matt Dumba certainly doesn't shy away from the physicality side of things. And he's more than willing to throw a big hit out there if it's out there. But he moves the puck extremely well. He's really smart in his own end. He can blast away from the blue line as well on top of it. He just brings a lot of the same elements that I think Jacob Truba brought. And I think Matt Dumba would be a really, really good fit to bring the best out of Josh Morrissey next season. Minnesota is potentially on track to lose him for nothing in the expansion draft. So maybe you can not acquire him on the cheap, but not give up the assets you might normally would in a potential deal like that. And I think, too, the injury concerns with Matt Dumba were alleviated a bit this past season because he was arguably Minnesota's best D-man this past year on, on a team with Ryan Suter and Jared Spurgeon and Jonas Brodeen. It was a big, big time bounce back for Matt Dumba this past season. Now, acquiring Matt Dumba would mean that you probably lost Dylan DeMello in the expansion draft. 
And that's a tough pill to swallow, no doubt about it. But to me, if I'm trying to piece together a realistic best-case scenario for the Winnipeg Jets' blue line going into next season, you could very easily work together a blue line of Morrissey Dumba, Alexiak Pionk, and then a really cheap but effective young third pairing of Logan Stanley and Vili Hainala, and then have whoever you want as your seventh defenseman find some veteran that'll sign for a million dollars or less to round out the decor going into next season. That, to me, is a really intriguing way that the Winnipeg Jets could try to vault themselves back up the contention standings. And that blue line, while not one of the best in the NHL, and you know probably not even a top 10 blue line, it certainly brings the Jets closer to that 15 range. And with what they have in net, in one of the best net miners in the NHL in Connor Hellebuck, and their electric forward group up front, that might just be enough to push the Jets not near the top of the NHL, but maybe in that group just below that. And as we've seen in these past couple of NHL postseasons, giving your team a decent chance heading into the playoffs, ah, that can be just good enough to make a pretty serious run. And I think that could put the Winnipeg Jets into some solid standing when they head back into the Central Division for next season. But let me know what you think. Is, is Matt Dumba the right guy to fit beside Josh Morrissey? Is Jamie Alexiak the right partner for Neil Pionk? Or is there another way you would target the trade and free agent markets to see the Winnipeg Jets improve themselves going into next season? Let me know on Twitter, at Brandon underscore Rewicki, or at the podcast, at SkatesPlatesPod. We'll make sure to get to all your comments when we're back for Friday's episode. We I, I had a great time getting into all your comments Last week, after we talked about the forward group doing a bit of a mailbag for Friday's episode, we're going to do the exact same thing for this Friday's episode when it comes to the blue liners. So I'm, I'm very intrigued to know what kind of trade proposals, what kind of free agent deals, all that you have on tap to see how the Winnipeg Jets can improve their blue line going into next season. So we'll do that at the start of Friday's episode. We've also got a really, really great food interview to close out the week as well. Fat Iguanas. It's a hell of a name. It's a hell of a company. And they make some damn good food and sauces to go with that as well. We get into that with the chef and founder of Fat Iguanas coming up this Friday. Once again, though, thank you guys so much for listening to another episode of Skates and Plates on the Hockey Podcast Network. We're back on Friday. Fat Iguanas and your comments with the Winnipeg Jets blue line heading into this offseason. Can't wait. Until then, stay safe, everybody. Peace.